So I want to look you in the eye and I will find your missing link. And when you get it, you will be elated. And it's fantastic. And yeah, I don't want PowerPoint to get in the way of that. I want to be with you as a human being. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. When you hear the words accounting seminar, is the first thing that comes to mind is that you would rather have a root canal with no Novocaine than to sit in an accounting seminar. Or are you remembering your college experience when you were registered and mandatorily required to take an accounting course? Or does the words accounting seminar make you very, very, oh, Sleepy? Well, my guest, Peter Frampton, yes, you heard me correctly, Peter Frampton, but not the one that you're thinking of, has found a way to make accounting come alive. Peter's a financial literacy advocate. He's a co-founder of Color Accounting International, which teaches finance to non-financial people using a breakthrough graphical system. What lights Peter up is awakening people to a life of abundance. And he talks about this during our interview. Now, Peter started his career at KPMG and is a fellow of Chartered Accountants Australia, New Zealand. He's an adjunct faculty at American University in Washington, D.C., and has taught at a wide range of organizations from large Wall Street banks and law firms through micro-businesses in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Peter currently lives with his family in Geneva, Switzerland. Peter was recognized for founding South Africa's most successful technology incubator in the country of his birth. Now, I've taught accounting for many years at a variety of university and colleges and have always, always, always tried to make accounting fun and simple. Now, I've gotten close, but as Maxwell Smart once said, missed it by that much. Yeah, not close enough. However, in March 2019, I attended a demonstration of color accounting and almost immediately recognized that they had found the solution. I went through color accounting's training to get rewired in their way of teaching and communicating accounting concepts. Now, I facilitated my first course to a group of 24 engineers and project managers at Westinghouse in Chicago last month. Wow. This really is a game changer, and I share my experience to Peter in this interview. Now, anyone who's in business should listen to this episode to help grow your business. A better understanding of accounting will only help you and your employees become better stewards of your organization. 
The more that you and your employees have a basic understanding of accounting will only help the organization thrive because everyone can see the financial impact that they're having on the organization. This is what I witnessed at the end of my seminar at Westinghouse. I hope you enjoy this episode. And before we get to the interview, let me take care of some housekeeping issues. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. I have put in the show notes the links to Color Accounting website, a PDF of the basis framework, and a link to a 30-minute video that outlines the methodology. If you'd like to contact Peter, please send him an email at peter at coloraccounting.com or his co-founder, Mark Robilliard, at mark at coloraccounting.com and mention that you learned about them from this episode. And now, let's get to the interview with Peter Frampton. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, My guest today, you may have heard of him. My guest today is Peter Frampton. One, two, three, but not that Peter Frampton. This This is the accounting and finance version of Peter Frampton, and Peter Frampton is the co-founder of Color Accounting, and Peter, first, thank you for taking time out of your hectic schedule to be with me on my podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It really is a pleasure to be here. And I have to admit, so uh, back in February or March of last year, I get this LinkedIn request from Peter Frampton, and I'm going, this is so cool. And then I went, wait a minute. Oh, disappointing. <laughs> actually, actually, not so much disappointing, but curious because you got a really cool name. I know you get compliments and, and, and people make comments about it all the time, but that is a really cool name. Yeah, you know, it's not such a common name because it's an English name, you know, from England and uh uh, and actually, I went to the concert of the one that we all know, the, the famous guitarist, and I waved him down and I said, my name is Peter Frampton. He said, no, it's not. Actually, I wasn't waving him. I was waving his manager down. No, it's not. <laughs> and he went backstage with my driver's license. And then I, I went backstage and, and got this autograph from the famous Peter Frampton, who I think, uh, yeah, what, he had the biggest live album in 1976. Right? It was the Guinness Book of Records for Michael Jackson, I think. And uh, his famous, one of his famous songs is Show Me the Way, right? So I feel like, yeah, I'm showing people the way in my work, too. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was fun. And, and if I correct me if I'm wrong, you have a picture, auto, Peter Frampton autographed picture from one Peter Frampton to the other Peter Frampton. You know, when he was autographing that, he's like, <laughs> then he, he said, "Hang on, it's not from; it's two. So he crossed it out in two. Now, hang on, it is from. Get <laughs> 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 a momentary identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and when you started this business, you actually 
called it Accounting Comes Alive. Well, that's what we do. We make Accounting Comes Alive. And yes, sometimes we still trade by Accounting Comes Alive. We'd like to think that we make Accounting Come Alive. Uh, and, and you do. From somebody who has taught accounting at the university level for 10 years, from someone who's a CPA and has gone through all of this continuing education, in March of last year when... Uh, Mark and Craig came to Maryland and did the demonstration. Uh, Jackie Brown, the chief operating officer from the Maryland Association, sent me a text. But I love watching your face and you're bouncing up and down in your chair doing this demonstration. And she was right. I was sitting there just bouncing up and down because I, I realized you guys figured it out. You figured out how to make accounting simple. And I commend you guys. On, I mean, give us the story on how you, I mean, that didn't come in overnight. No, these things don't come overnight. And you know, yeah, I mean, how far do you want me to, you want me to go back to the Genesis, right? The Genesis, yeah, kind of started at, yeah, at, the, at the beginning. This is me failing accounts 101. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go honors and all that for my high school exams. And suddenly I'm in my first year at, at uh, university in South Africa, South African accent here. And I fail accounting and I feel stupid because it's like I'm helpless. I've, I tried, I tried. I was so shocked. This is the first thing I'd really failed in my life. And I, I fell down the stairs and sprained my ankle. And, you know, over on the other side of the world, Mark mm -hmm. was having his own story. And uh, so, you know, I guess you go back to the scene of the crime. So I, I emigrated. <laughs> it, was, it was the bad old days of apartheid. And I left South Africa and I went to Australia where I, I got my first uh, job. Well, I thought, oh, what do I do? I've got to Australia, right? And um, there was military service that I didn't particularly want to do back in South Africa. And I got a job at KPMG and was an auditor and so on. And then started to realize, you know, people don't understand the stuff. I mean, I didn't either. I think uh, accounting is a subject where there's, a, there's quite a loose correlation between qualifying, passing your exams, and truly understanding it, you know, mm. understanding it. I mean, I mean yeah. it's a little bit incriminating perhaps, but, but that's how I felt. And I, and I shared my story with Mark Robilliard. I'd been posted to the national office, and he was the national training manager. And we said you know, there must be a better way. It must be solvable, this issue of, of accounting, learning accounting being hard. And so we began a quest. And now we parted ways. Uh, you know, we started and we experimented, we looked and we parted ways. And actually, I found myself back in South Africa running a not-for-profit incubator, a startup incubator, which was fun and I liked it and I'm proud of it. It won awards and things in the end and it's still going. So it's South Africa's oldest information technology incubator. And I started incubating... Uh, Mark and my ideas in that incubator, and and that's where it was called. Uh, accounting comes up. In fact, uh, you know what? It was actually called um, the Radical Accounting School because it was going to be <laughs> radical. <laughs> <laughs> so, but something had happened it, that, looking back, you know, the the brilliant Steve Jobs. He wasn't a very nice guy, was he? But he was brilliant. And mm -hmm. the one thing he said was, um, you know, you join the dots later, and and the little pieces like. In my case, even the failure, you know, you, they all make sense later. And one of the dots that uh, then we joined and realized, wow, that was historically significant was the color print had come along. Okay. And like literally, of course, it'd been color printed. Don't get me wrong. There's hard, Heidelberg presses in factories all around the world. But the desktop color printer, that it, in fact, was the HP 500C, the Hewlett Packard 500C color printer had come along, along with desktop publishing, right? What right. we then call desktop publishing. Now it's yeah. just publishing. And uh, <laughs> the, the, you could now print and muck around with color yourself. And so that's what we did. 
and we we printed a diagram and eventually we printed let's put the balance sheet and the income statement together and now we were using we'd used color coding which was one of the sort of original formative ideas to make debits green and credits orange and um mucked around with this diagram and then here's the important thing started to realize that we didn't understand the diagram mm-hmm. so here you've got a diagram to explain accounting but you realize you don't understand the diagram and for example you know it also what it does is it unpacks the the most confusion in accounting is here inherently caused by the duality. You know, we all know about double entry, right? Double entry. Right. Yeah, but dual, double entry is actually a consequence of the fundamental duality, which gives us both sides of the balance sheet. And it's the collapsing of the duality that causes the problems. People think revenue is money. People right. think liability is the money that you owe. Both of those are wrong. Revenue is not money and liabilities are not money. They're monetized, but they're not money. And so, and so it went and, you know, stumble, stumble, stumble. And the, 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 you know, courage to look a bit foolish as we were trying different, uh, <laughs> different things. You know, one of the fabulous memories for me was quite early on in, in the piece. Um, this young man came in probably, you know, 22 years old or something. He was a black South African man. And uh, he came back and we were running this, uh, the early versions of the color accounting workshops over four nights, sort of four Wednesday nights. Mm. He came in on the second Wednesday night and he said, I'm so excited I couldn't sleep. You know, and there was a, a, a middle-class bourgeois side of me that, that said, oh, get a life. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really? And, but I quickly caught myself and realized, no, hang on a second. This, for this guy, it's the difference between, you know, life in a shack, literally a tin shack. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be in Africa to know that kind of level of poverty. And, and a middle-class life, you know, where he would own fridges and, and cars. And so I realized it was, it was more than that. He, he was so excited that he couldn't sleep at night. And he'd paid for four private courses because, of course, the apartheid state in the bad old evil days before Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. had deliberately undereducated him. That's what the apartheid education was set up to do, to undereducate black South Africans so they could only do menial work. And so he had paid for these four very expensive uh, courses. And finally, he got it. And he, but he said, I was so excited. I'm not stupid. You know, Peter, the, 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 the privilege and the, the honor and the, you know, uh, the honor of, on, for, of, for me of being part of having that impact in someone's life. For me, that's why this education is just the best and most noble and best fun you can have because what an impression you have, you can have on people's lives. And you guys are having a huge impact on individual lives as you interact with a variety of of individuals, a variety of companies. And so I witnessed this firsthand. So I did my first color accounting earlier in January 2020 to a group of engineers and project managers of about 24 of them. And you, I mean, for the company, may I say the company? Please, yeah. It, it was Westinghouse, and you guys have been in Westinghouse for a couple of years, so there there is stories about how powerful this is. But still, these guys are taking time out of the day to sit in an accounting class, and I, I so I kind of mentioned, would you guys rather have like a root canal without Novocaine versus taking an accounting class? And they all chuckled and stuff. But as I was going through this method, the basis method and the the duality and all that, I started to see them get it. But the more powerful thing was when they actually got it and realized their impact 
individual yeah. impact that they have on the financial position of the company was was just it just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. And they they walked out and and said, you know, this was far exceeded their expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and like I said, you guys, I've been struggling to try to find a simplistic way for years. I shared with you guys, you have found it. And and the the impact that you have on organizations and having them understand the financial responsibility of employees. Yeah, yeah. Once you they know, get it, and it well, yeah. Once they get it, it's so you know. Accounting is amazing. Accounting is absolutely amazing, and it's 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 one of the greatest inventions in history. You know, it, uh, we we say it goes back five hundred years to Pacioli, who, but of course, it goes back much further than that. Pacioli was just the first Italian. Friar who wrote it down in that book Summa Arithmetica, and it, it, but it makes such a difference in people's lives. You know, we tease accounting, we tease accountants, we call them bean <laughs> counters, but actually, it's it's like grammar. You know, we take it for granted that you need grammar. You know, you don't get to lead organizations or be a functional adult in a, in a, in a corporation without grammar, without right? Skills, but we've tried to be functional people in organizations and leaders without the grammar of finance. You know, accounting is the grammar of finance in the sense that it's just the basic, you have to have it. And it hurts people when they don't have it. They, they stay silent in meetings when they should be engaging in meetings. You know, they buy the bullshit. You know, companies go bankrupt. Frauds happen. I mean, those are all the big examples. that are right. But it's just so impactful on people's lives. You know, going back, oh, Peter, I don't know if I've told you all the stories about my career before I started <laughs> color accounting, which is, you know... Uh, uh, did I tell you I ran an impotence clinic? <laughs> a very me- medically cl- viable with medical doctors impotence clinic and, and so on and so on. So anyway, another day, Peter, another day. I know you <laughs> But anyway, so I was in the medical business and things like that. As I said, a, a, a color accounting for me started when I sort of, the next thing didn't work out. And I thought, oh, please, I should just work on that idea for a better way to teach accounting. But that's my personal journey. Anyhow, you know, on those on my travels in medical centers and things like that, you know, I'd meet a nurse and she says, oh, wow, isn't it nursing great? She said, yeah, but I didn't want to be a nurse. I wanted to be something else, but I couldn't pass accounting. Mm. <laughs> you know, people are all over who are yeah. just being hamstrung. Right. There's always a moment in our workshops where I say, and this is the moment the lady in Washington, D.C. said, I can finish my MBA as she shrieked from the back of the room. And I, I mean, I literally, I said, whoa, 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 people, sorry about that. I got to stop the class. I said, what? Are you yeah. serious? She says, this particular point, trivial point, I'll have you say, that, you know, it is where she couldn't get it. So she, she chucked it in and it was a prerequisite for her MBA. So she didn't get an MBA. That's, that's a little tragedy. That's a life. You know, here's a, probably a single mother working hard, trying to improve herself, trying to improve the life of her children. And yet a tiny trivial thing tripped her up. I'll tell you what the trivial thing was. It was, it was the statement that you have to have an entry on each side. I can't oh. Mm-hmm. I collect books that say you have to have an entry on each side. You don't. You can have two entries. They cancel each other out, as you know, on one side. She thought and had been told or misunderstood that you had to have an entry on each side, and she, and, and she didn't. So yeah. that, was, that, was, that was the magic right there, just her realizing that she didn't need that. Well, just that, the, the, you know, well, so she, she could get a head around how it worked. She could get a head around how it worked. And, it, yeah, oh, yeah, you have two entries on this side. You have two entries on that side. You have one entry on each side. Mm-hmm. It all balances up. That's the genius of, of double entry bookkeeping. I, I think also the, the, the issue that non-accountants have when they have to take an accounting class is, well, when I work with, with CPAs, I ask them, what, do, does anybody speak a foreign language? 
And I get these hands raised up and you know, I hear French, I hear Spanish, you know, somebody maybe Greek, Italian, whatever. And I go, no, let me reword that. How many you speak the foreign language of business called accounting? And they all laugh. Yeah. And I go, but think about it. When you say depreciation to a non-accountant, they think that's the value they lose in the car when they drive it off the car lot. And you're sitting there thinking, no, no, no. It's a systematic allocation of an asset over time. (laughs) 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 And we have to become better translators of this language so they can understand. Absolutely. And, and. In a sense, I'm tempted to say, and it's much worse than that because depreciation, we all get a sense of, is a kind of slightly nuanced uh, second order, third order accounting issue. But actually, the disconnect at the language starts much lower. So color accounting is about color. We took color because of the color printer and we used mm-hmm. color to explain debits and credits and so on. But actually, as you said, this didn't happen overnight. And we looked at that diagram, we realized we didn't understand it. And we realized we didn't understand the words. And this is profound. And actually, color accounting is more about the language, the words, than the the color. For example, it's kind of shocking. We we accountants, you, me, and our industry, we've got these massive blind spots. And we don't realize, for example, the ambiguities that we have. Like American accounting professors do not realize that income means something different in America to what it means in Europe. Right. So, So, you know, income. And never mind the fact that income, by the way, doesn't come in. Money comes in, but income is not money. So income doesn't come in. You do income, you don't get income. So, and, and then if you ask an accountant what revenue is, you know, I have, I have the greatest respect for accountants, but we've got our blind spots. And one of them is we can't explain what revenue is and we can't explain what, explain what an expense is. I've got to be careful because if I ask an accountant that, it sort of puts them on the spot and it could get a bit awkward. Now, as I said, accountants know how to record it. They know how to, how to uh, measure it. They know where to find it and report it and, and with the impact it has on profit and the impact it has on the balance sheet, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't get the message across. And that, it's called a declarative ability, the ability to communicate them. And, of course, it's critical. So uh, revenue, by the way, we define it as a verb, not a noun, because revenue is what you do to mm-hmm. get the money that you get. It's the activity. That's why another name for the income statement is the statement of activities, which means by definition, the things on the income statement are activities. And it has real impact and consequences in people's lives. So I'm at a law firm and I'm working with a, a senior partner there and we talk about the meaning of the words and we're clearing that up because that's, that's what's required. And, and he says, you know what? I, I've just come off a, a defense of a chief accounting officer for revenue shifting. There was a week-long jury trial. We failed. We were the defense. We failed. And he's gone to jail for, I don't know, 10 years or something. And, it's, and he says, and you know what? At the end of the trial, I think the, the well, I'm sure that the, re, the, the jury didn't understand what revenue was. And I think it, they thought he put the money somewhere, like mattresses, <laughs> secret safes. Here's a man in jail for 10 years because a jury of his peers thought that he put money under a mattress. Which of course we know he didn't. He just he 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 used judgment in a very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for vague and 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 subjective mm-hmm. recognition issue, which is revenue. Right, right. So when I went through the demonstration, whatever, the way you guys it's like you said you, you said two words. You said noun and verb. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I was I shared this with you before we started. I was I was speaking to. Uh, 
chief people officer at, at White Castle Systems yesterday, a friend of mine, John Kelly, who was a, a, a county student in my MBA class at Ohio Dominican, and I was sharing this story with him. I said, John, when you think of the balance sheet, they're just nouns. And he had this really inquisitive look in his mind because he was going through those accounts. You know, okay. And I said, the income statement are just verbs. And then we'll... And he goes, I've never thought about it that way. And I said, I never taught it to you that way because it was never taught to me that way. But just that little clarity, mm. that little shift in mindset. Mm. A lawyer said to me, you've blown a fuse. And I said, okay, well, that's good because I'm in the rewiring business. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, and that's, that's your job within Color Accounting is to rewire the mindset out there because we have a lot of very smart people teaching accounting but they're teaching it the way that was taught to them. Yeah. yeah. And there is there's such a body of momentum and inertia to the way it's been done. And, and we quickly, there's so much to be learned and we become such experts that we quickly, uh, you know, we develop uh, unconscious competence. Yes. Uh, so we, we, don't even, we don't even know what we're good at, but we, we've got so much competence that's undistinguished that it's hard to challenge. And, you know, often... When I'm working alongside, uh, you know, what I call, you know, traditional accounting teachers, mm -hmm. using a traditional approach, they'll say, oh, well, we don't call it, we don't call it the balance sheet here in the United Kingdom. We call it the statement of position. And, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. But really, that's not important. Right. Of course, I mean, it, we've got to learn that eventually, whatever, but that's a second or third order issue. The first order issue is, what are the three things or the, no, what are the two things on a balance sheet? There, you know, there are just two things on a balance sheet. That's what we've got to tell people. There's assets and obligations, which, and by the way, equity is an obligation. That, that Fasby's getting it wrong. Sorry, I'm going to say it. Fasby's getting it wrong. <laughs> Fasby says it's a claim. It's not a claim. It's an obligation. A claim is not an obligation. An obligation is me to you. A claim is you to me. Right. All right. So it's funny you said FASB is wrong. I don't know if you know this. <clears throat> I just had an article published in Accounting Today uh, on January 15th, and the title is FASB is the Villain. <laughs> I've seen the article, and I haven't got to it, Peter. Damn it. Uh, uh. FASB has it wrong in a lot of instances, and it's confusing, and it's not relevant to business owners where we need to really make it relevant to them so they can understand and those who they employ have a better idea. They don't need to know the nits and bits and you know we, the exactly. debits and the credits and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. It just yeah. needs to be about 10,000 foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, have we, I mean, we haven't, have we, we haven't have we talked about the issue of accounting literacy and what accounting literacy is. What you've said is just reminding yeah. me of that. So, you know, this is what my work, my work is, I'm ultimately, I want to just bring abundance to the world. Right. I want people to know that that uh, you know you can have abundance, and even if even if having people get clear personally and at work get get finance out of the way, so that they can go forth and be abundant, you know, mm -hmm. and that's that's the real driver, right? So our, our mission is to promote accounting literacy, and we want the world to be accounting literate. So what is accounting literacy? Well, everybody talks about financial literacy. Governments right. all over the world are are spending a fortune on financial literacy to promote it. But financial literacy is this overly big church. It's, I mean, it goes from savings rates to credit card uses to 401ks to portfolio theory to risk analysis and, 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 and. 
That's financial literacy. But whoa, 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 whoa. What needs to be underneath that and actually unpacked and seen as a distinct form of literacy is accounting literacy, which is where am I and how did I get here? <laughs> and then we can talk about all the fancy stuff. But if you know, if, if I want to get to New York, if, if you want me to tell you how to get to New York, I need to say, well, where are you? Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you how to get to New York. And it's so empowering when you get the accounting literacy piece right. All the fancy finance stuff just falls into place. That's true. So accounting is the foundation Absolutely. of financial literacy. Absolutely. And it should be broken out. And, and, and often people are trying to fix financial literacy, but really the problem is accounting literacy. So if you get the foundation right, then financial literacy comes into play. But the, I guess the overarching umbrella is now you have better business acumen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, accounting literacy underpins business acumen big time. Share some stories about your tra- yours and Mark's and your team's travels uh, around the globe and, and companies that you've impacted. And, and I imagine you have like thousands of stories. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of stories. There's some, <laughs> there's some good stories, yeah. There's some not so good stories. I slipped in a restroom in Qatar uh, <laughs> and broke my fingers. So, But it's fantastic to be bringing this work to the Middle East. You know, the Middle East needs all the help it can get, right? Because if people are literate and abundant, they won't be fighting, you know? So, um, yeah, we sort of feel being out there is tiring. You know, being a road warrior is tiring. But, but it's, it's, as I said, a privilege to be, feel that we're out there making a difference. And we feel we've stumbled onto this historically significant, not improvement to accounting, but improvement to, the, to making accounting more accessible. Mm-hmm. Does need to be accessible to everyone. It's the fourth R: reading, writing, arithmetic, and reckoning. Right. So everyone needs this work. So we we being ambitious and we're trying to spread it worldwide. So we have a presence in Australia and New Zealand, to Southeast Asia, to China. China is going big, and Europe, uh, South America, Brazil, uh, North America, Canada, Africa, and so on and so on. Yeah, we've got presence. We've got uh, we work with partners, so people sign up and and it's not quite a franchise. We don't franchise, but we license them to use the system and we show them how to use it. And then we love going and, and meeting them and working with them and, and running workshops all over. And we do a lot of pro bono work, um, you know, particularly with my heritage in, in South Africa. We've really tried to give this away and spread the word in, in South Africa and in Africa where it can make such a difference. Mm-hmm. And boy, the, I mean, you know, the, the stories are stories of joy, but they're also stories of heartbreak. Uh, we got, a, we got a, uh, a very generous benefactor. Um, his name is Martin Michel. He's, he's, he bankrolls our work, pro bono work in South Africa. And we paid for all the teachers in one particular state, province, like a state, to, because often what's needed in the high school system, we work in schools, universities, and in, in business, right? So uh, in the high schools, what's often needed is the teachers need to understand the subject better. So we're working with the teachers. And then we gave them all the materials, sponsored materials, and so on for them to follow on and use. And, and then we're speaking to them a few months later and say, well, how, how, how come you haven't used them? Oh, you know, we were going to, but we lost two children on the playground today to stabbings. I mean, it's yeah. heartbreaking. And you realize, wow, how privileged we are, you know, and, and so on and so on. So, so that's, you know, that's the sad end of it and, and the, the joys and, and the sadnesses. I mean, going back to Washington, D.C., so we work with a lot of not-for-profits. Working with not-for-profits is really important because uh, they're very mission-driven. They make an impact on the world. But it depends, you know, on the plumbing. You've got to get the plumbing right. It's not the sexy end of of the not-for-profit work of the mission, but 
not-for-profit organization accounting is more complicated accounting because you've got restricted funds instead of all unrestricted funds done by what I like to call less interested people. They're not there for the money. They're there for the mission, right? Right, right, right. They Not-for-profit organizations regularly fail because of you know, financial mismanagement and they're working over big distances. They're often, you know, they, they might have the head office in Washington and the field office in Africa kind of thing. So they stretched and, and we do the work. And so we were running a, a program actually in Washington, D.C. and there was a wonderful woman called Nicole Dial. We remember her fondly because our mascot is a logo, uh, our mascot logo is a, is a zebra. Okay. And uh, it came from her saying, oh, goodness, when I see, you know, as we were, she was introducing herself at the start of the day, when I see a balance sheet, I see a zebra. And meaning just rows and columns and blurriness and camouflage and disguise and ah, and it's just in these this sort of buzzing black and white rows in front of her. And it, it came alive for her. That's what our job is. And it came alive and she made sense of it. I actually, as a little aside, I think she was almost stating a neurological truth that people, as human beings, we're evolved to see shapes. You know, on the plains of Africa, we were there to see antelope and pears and apples and nuts and berries. We, we do shape, we make sense of them, but it's a very learned skill to do rows and columns and analysis and pick this number out of the zebra and so on. The sad part of the story is that Nicole Dar went to Afghanistan where she was teaching children. And she was murdered by the Taliban. <coughs> so we remember her fondly. And yeah, it's been full of, the journey's been full of the ups and downs like that. Well, that's, that's an interesting story about, about the zebra. Uh, because actually, I guess in essence, you've added color it's to a, that, to it's that a, zebra. It's a brightly colored zebra now. And yes, that's our mascot. It's got full of color. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're around the world. So what about here in the States? I know, I know Mark is the North America head of North American operations. I'm not sure what his title is, but it consists of basically this, this area and, and, and he's in what, based out of Wisconsin, which yeah. I, I think I would have gone to a warmer state at the time. But I would have too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, what organizations have you partnered with or, 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 or worked with here in the United States? Right. So, you know, I, I moved to the States uh, at the early 2000s and I, I got the States going and then Mark, I actually left because my, my wife is Swiss. So we moved back to Geneva. We wanted our, our children to speak French in, in Switzerland. So, so Mark kind of replaced me in the U.S. But so we've okay. been doing that for a long time. And, uh, you know, we're proud of the fact that we, we, while we work with micro entrepreneurs in Africa and entrepreneurs in, in the U.S. And so on, we also work with the biggest of the big in, in the U.S., you know, the Wall, the Wall Street banks, all the, the big names that you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking, I'm not meant to say it, but you could work it out. The, big, the biggest <laughs> names in the street. Yeah. Um, we work with them and, you know, 500 at a time with their onboarding programs. And what's gratifying there is that, you know, people who they hire liberal arts grads who've never done any accounting. So in a day, they get it. And then even the people who've done accounting, they say, oh, wow, I'm seeing it a whole new way and I can communicate it better. So yeah, we, you know, 550 people at a time, we have to, we don't like doing groups that big, but you know, we've got these buckets and tickets and you know how the system works. It's very hands-on. Everybody gets a little kit that's laid out in front of them. So we have 500 people with little tickets going to buckets and on this little <laughs> pop-up board. And, uh, and we've got these giant PowerPoint screens across the room and we might have four facilitators wandering around the room. It's wonderful. Um, and then we work with law firms. Law, law is interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize what's possible with this learning. So they've kind of given up on accounting. So it, it's quite a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, no, it was terrible. The university is going to be terrible again, and I may do without it. That, that's what we're up against. Right. But, but lawyers know that they need it. 
and they they're working with these financial documents all the time. And the, uh, the, the legal market is our first runaway market where we teach most of the big law firms. I'd say about half of the top 100 law firms in the US are using color accounting. We do it in shorter seminars in three, four hours. And, uh, and, and so, sorry, one more thing. I've got such respect for lawyers. Definition is their stock in trade. Where, mm-hmm. where we accounts have been weak on definition. I, I, I've alluded to the definition of equity I think we've had wrong. The definition of revenue and expense is too complicated for people to fully understand and things like that. We call revenue value-generating activity, for example. That's the definition of revenue. We call it a transitional working definition towards the official definition. And lawyers get that because they do definition. It's their stock and trade, as I said. That's interesting. And, and I'll turn the tables on you right now, Peter. So you, you mentioned revenue. Yeah. And, and you know how to play this game because you play it on other people. So when I say, what's the sound of revenue? What sound do most people say in this case? Nine out of 10 times. No, 99 out of 100 times. <laughs> you and I know it's going to be ka-ching. <laughs> and the way, you, exactly. the way you respond to it is? Of course, it's like, uh, no, it's not. That's the sound of the money. And the money's not the revenue. And then I'll say, you know, in, in a hair salon, what's the sound of revenue? And if, if your, your listeners can see me, you'd see I'm going snip, snip, snip with my fingers. Right. And uh, yeah, because actually the revenue is the snip, snip. Kaching is what you get because of the snip, snip. Revenue is the work action, you know. And then, for example, I'll then say to a lawyer, "So, are you are you generating something of value right now as you're typing? You know, you're charging your first six minute increment as these lawyers do." <laughs> and and he says, "No," thinking you know, thinking that he's not getting paid now, so he's not generating anything. I said, "Well, then stop, please, please stop. If you're not doing anything generating value, stop. Of course, you're generating something of value. You're generating the right to bill the client." You've got six minutes more billing that you can do than you could do six minutes ago. Absolutely. The work itself you're doing now, in other words, you and I know that what we're disabusing them of is the sense that of sort of cash accounting in their head, cash, right. where cash becomes the revenue. No, no, no. The revenue is the work. So I, I imagine, because I've done some work with, with uh, attorneys at uh, World Bank uh, a few years ago. They were more investigators. Attorneys by nature tend to be Combative? Is that the correct word? Uh, uh, argumentative? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've got the greatest respect for them. So, yes. So, uh, what I tell you, what's fun is, I use the word quirky, right? I like to be a bit self-deprecating. And you know, when you know your shit, excuse me. When you know your stuff, <laughs> You're then, fine. Yeah, then, then uh, you, you can you can look weird because you know your stuff, right? Right. And I know. I kind of get a, a little quiet kick out of this about, about arriving and kind of looking weird. Like, what? Red? No, sorry, uh, orange? Green? Uh, diagrams? Uh, whiteboard? Uh, uh, verbs? Nouns? And I'll think, just you wait. I'll get your respect in a moment. And, and I love that, that they realize, okay, the man might be a bit crazy, but he's got reason. And mm-hmm. eventually they see that it's an exquisite construction of the logic of accounting, which is a beautiful thing. And I do want to make a point. You mentioned when you you did the 550 individuals, you said the PowerPoint word, which that is very rare in your presentations because you guys go old school PowerPoint called a whiteboard yeah. or flip yeah. charts and you draw and you, you draw straight lines. My lines look like you know, an EKG. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I think that that 
also helps keep the audience engaged because there's this pre-purpose. Oh God, it's another PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, and they become a little bit disengaged. But when you're up there with the attorneys or whoever, it also helps them keep engaged, yeah, watching what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, and and yeah, you're back turned to them for a second while you're drawing, but but then you turn around and it's a it's a very human. We want to keep it human. It's the it's a human endeavor. Me making sure that you get it. And, you know, when people get it, it is an epiphany because they get these little ahas. We, we often talk about a learning chain. When we, If people don't get accounting, it's because of one of a series of breaks, or sorry, it could be just one break in a series of links in the chain of logic. You know, mm-hmm. it could be the revenue thing. It could be the equity thing. It could be the balance, the, the two entries on one side thing. It could be, you know, there's a whole lot of small things where if, if or it could be the point of view thing that's a huge one we're right. standing the wrong point of view you stand from the owner's point of view instead of from the company's point of view and it only takes one of those so i want to look you in the eye and i will find your missing link and when you get it you will be elated and it's fantastic and yeah i don't want powerpoint to get in the way of that i want to be with you as a human being and you know tears people per- bring their personal their personal fears around their personal finance to it and so on it's funny. It's such a human experience. It, it, it very much is because, you know, I, in my other work that I do, I, I tend to rely on PowerPoint, but I, I design things very simplistic and I bring things in. It's just, but when I, when I did this with Westinghouse, I, I, it is a very human experience because I, I recognized there was one individual who wasn't getting it. But I also recognized that she or he did not want to say, I don't understand because mm-hmm. of that judgment factor yes yes so you know i i i recognize that fact so i went over and was it so and i looked down and she didn't have anything written down she was struggling i said okay so i just went around just sat with her for a moment i said you guys talk amongst yourselves and try to help her figure it out because people learn at different paces absolutely also people don't want to look stupid which is really the wrong thing because there's no such thing as a stupid question a stupid question is one that you don't ask yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, and and how did it go? How did it, it went well? I mean, I, and and then luckily that was Mark was with me, and I I asked him kind of keep an eye on on her because yeah. you know I had like twenty four other people in the room that there were a few other people who were still starting to struggle with it that I, you know I needed to spread myself around. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I actually at the end she goes so after after I'm done then then Westinghouse showed a a. a, a about a 45 minute to an hour video of, and this is why I think well, the additional power of, of color accounting is where the, somebody from the accounting finance department was explaining how Westinghouse operates using their numbers, using their situations, using yes. their examples. Yes. Now, it, it was on video. Yeah. So this woman w- w- was walking out and she said, I really enjoyed this workshop except for the video. <laughs> right. But right. She- she probably understood what was being said, although you know, video can make it, it gets a bit ten- dense and dry over a video. But right. she, you know, often we'll invite the, the CFO or some senior finance person into the end of a, a one day color accounting workshop. So, say the last two hours, we'll have the client come in, and the look on the, the learners' faces is wonderful. It's kind of like, I'm finally getting what she's saying, yeah, and the look on her face. As she's standing at the front, the finance officer, you know, is and say, oh my goodness, I'm finally getting through to them. I'm getting through to them. Right. <laughs> and it's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that, that that's that's the magic that, that's out there when, when they do recognize, they do get it, and they, they, they have that. Oh, and, and to the point of 
then I, I turned to Carl, what, how do you contribute as an, as, a, as an engineer, as a project manager in the six financial success of this organization? Because we can bake it down into just out of your office. I've always said that. I've always said that to accounting, accounting uh, firms that when you hire these kids out of college, make their cubicle, make their space their own business. Yeah. And yeah, teach yeah. them the business of public accounting so they can realize their impact. Absolutely. In the organization. Yeah. And, and partners will say to me, but we can't tell them everything. <laughs> okay. You don't have to, you, you make it too complex. And I, I think that goes to the unconscious. Incompetent, whatever. Unconscious competence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's they're here. Yeah. Staff is here. Yeah, yeah. And there's a gap in communication. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to tell them everything, but yeah, and just yeah, tell them the basics. And 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 you know, it gets back, for example, down to this ref- this definition of revenue. If you think revenue is money coming in, well, that engineer in that cubicle doesn't see any money coming in. Right. So they've got nothing to do with revenue. No, but if you see revenue as value generating activity. The moment you walk in that door, you're generating value for the firm and you're also consuming value, by the way. So now you have this consciousness that there's only two things happening at Westinghouse. Value is being generated and value is being consumed. Oh, wow. So I'm part of that. Now that's the story I'm part of. And, yeah, and it becomes about engagement. You know, from a business point of view, Peter, let me have, have, have said it, that we're there to, we want people to collaborate effectively, you know, to to make better decisions and to amplify value. That's what we're really trying to do. It's not about the accounting. It's about value. Right. And, and, and at the end of, of the last hour or so of my presentation, then we started talking about, okay, here's some, here's some metrics. Here's some, so let's look at this information. Look at the changes. What's going on? Because the one thing that, that really my eyes opened up big time I, back in March was, I don't. I think. I think it was. I think it was Mark that said this. That we're really storytellers. We as accounting professionals are storytellers, and we need to tell the story. Yeah. And the story is not. First, we have to understand the construction of it, but then the story. I, I, my favorite class at the university, and it's the only accounting thing that I still do, is I love financial statement. Excuse me. I love financial analysis. Yes. Yeah. And then, and part of that is understanding the financial statement analysis because numbers don't move themselves. Yes. People move the numbers. Absolutely. A five's not sitting there today going, I'm going to be a seven tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then on Thursday, I'm going to a 20. No, there has to be some type of human interaction to make that number move. Yeah. So yeah. when it moves in, in a direction that we're, we're not anticipating, we have to find the story and not a data-driven, data-dump story, the human element story there. And I think that's the magic of, of what Color Accounting is bringing to the business community is to help them understand how to find that story to tell. Yeah, yeah. And become more powerful to change the story in a way that they want to change it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Peter, I could sit here and talk to you for hours, and we've had we've had some conversations in the past, and we'll have more. But I want to be very respectful for your time, and I, I want to um, say one first thank you. But before we depart, what bit of last advice would you give to those who are listening to this podcast? We we often have CPAs sit in on a workshop. They might have come with the client or something. They haven't generally come under just because they, they needed it. They they did, of course. But they, they are surprised and they say, 
oh, is that what they don't understand? Mm-hmm. So they, for, for, for accounting professionals, make no mistake, this is a, uh, the, the color accounting work is communication work. They will learn techniques and, and give, develop insights that will enable them to communicate their value so much better. And, you know, it's not a case of giving, giving our secrets away. It's a case of having people and their clients better understand what they do. Like literally realize, oh, wow, it's not counting beans. It's something much more than that. Mm-hmm. And it's about, yeah, just uh, making a positive impact on people by communicating more powerfully. And, and in the end, it reflects back and they will, their own work will be more productive and more appreciated. Man, I couldn't have said that any better. If I equate that back to my book of taking the amount of numbers, having the finance, accounting financial professionals realize it's not about them. It's about their audience. Mm-hmm. And how can I make my audience understand what I'm trying to understand the business, what I'm trying to communicate so they can have a more impactful financial impact lack of, on the organization and the people within the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the more knowledgeable they are, the, the better the organization will, will ultimately be. Absolutely. And when people are communicating, life is better. Yeah. Communicating and <laughs> and understanding. Yeah, well, if you're not understanding, you communicate. That's not communication. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. We, yeah, we in the county, but we've been communicating for a long time. Uh, nobody understands us. Well, our, our mouths have been moving. I don't know if we've been communicating. <laughs> I, ha- I have, a, I have a, a, a specific definition of what communication is. It's when yeah, something's happening on your side. <laughs> exactly. Well, Peter, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. I, I look it's forward to when our, when our paths cross again. And keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Thank you. I would like to thank Peter for his time and passion for helping companies and individuals become more financially literate. Now that you've listened to this entire episode, how are you and your organization going to improve your financial literacy? Step one is to change your mindset and recognize that learning accounting is not as scary as you thought and vitally important in growing your business. Step two, are you going to contact Peter to learn more? Well, I hope you do. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you download your podcast from. Also, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Make today and every day your best day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.